Isaiah 66 18-21, Hebrews 12 5-13, Luke 13 22-30. Lord, will only a few be saved? We are confronted with this very uncomfortable question in this week's Gospel. It has to make us uncomfortable, given the gravity of what it deals with, eternity, either in the glory and joy of God's presence or away from Him in fiery torment, in what the Bible and tradition call hell. The question about hell comes up sometimes on my school rounds. It also never fails to shock those preparing for confirmation. Does hell really exist? Today, a lot of Catholics, including priests and theologians might be ambivalent about this. How can we square the idea of eternal torment with a God who is love and mercy itself, as we believe? But Jesus Himself was the one who spoke most about hell, or Gehenna in the Bible. Further, even the most wicked, commit evil for a finite time. Would it be right that people are punished for eternity, for evil committed in time? Given these legitimate questions, we might find it even more shocking that that for the greatest part of its 2,000-year history, the tradition of the Church has mostly answered this difficult question in the affirmative. Yes. Only a few will be saved. The ancients did not find this doctrine difficult like we do, the idea that most people would go to heaven, as we would assume today, would have been more scandalous to them. Maybe it was because they had a much more pessimistic, or realistic, dash view of human nature, for them, hell said more about man than about God. The first thing to note is that God does not send people to hell. Those who go to hell, choose to go to hell, or rather reject God's presence. Maybe this sounds like playing on a technicality, but its truth makes a huge difference to how we view God. God has no desire to send people to hell. He created us so that we could live forever in His presence. We hear so much already in the first reading today. People from afar, who have never heard of God's name will see His glory and come to His presence. Hell is the strange consequence of two doctrines which are easier for us to accept, that God is love itself and that His love will not violate our freedom. Everything that exists, exists because of the love of God. God created all that is in love. It is His love that sustains all things. Without God holding us in being, we will cease to exist. Hell comes into being for those who refuse this love of God. Tradition teaches us that hell was created for the devil and his angels, not for man. To those who refuse his presence, God allows them to be separated from him. And as much as being drowned or being suffocated would be horrible torment because we are being denied air which is vital for our living, even so, separating from God will be terrible torment because we were created for God's love. This torment is described in fiery terms, as it developed out of the Hebrew Gehenna which was the place where the rubbish of the city was burned. The fire captures the torment, as well as the passion of God's love, which are both involved. This might also throw some light on why those who have committed evil for a finite period might suffer for eternity. Hell is about a choice that we make, a choice which is shaped throughout our lives. This choice is revealed in the final judgment. An image of this comes in the book of Revelation, as the plagues and torments increase, those aligned with the beast continually choose to curse God who can save them rather than reap in of their allegiance to the evil one. The final judgment is as much about justice which was not revealed always on earth, as it will be the revelation of who we have become, sons of God or sons of the evil one. Since Vatican II, the Church has helped reframe this doctrine. Hell is real, but we have to hope, and pray, that God will save everyone in His infinite mercy. It is His will that all be saved, 1 Tim 2-4. In this struggle, God is with us, not against us. He works all things for our good. Rather than wonder about how many will be saved, the reality of hell should make our prayers and good works all the more urgent. Our prayers for ourselves and the world make a real difference in people's lives. It is what we see in the Gospel. Jesus is asked this question as He is headed to Jerusalem where He will die. 
the idea of impending judgment was in the air at this time. God's judgment would come and it was obvious that Israel would be saved and their oppressors, Rome would be punished. But who were the true Israelites? This was a matter of much debate. Were those of mixed heritage, and there were many, since the exile, could be considered part of the covenant? Were those who took a softer or more sympathetic stand towards Rome be considered a true patriot? Could those who in whatever manner violated Torah, be a true Israelite? Who would be saved? The man asking, as we might tend to, asks this without the urgency of personal salvation, it comes more as a matter of academic curiosity. Jesus' reply is shocking. He opens this salvation out to all the world, even Rome perhaps? He then tells him that he should strive to enter the narrow door, rather than take his position for granted. The word strive comes from the Greek agon which implies a struggle. It is the word from which we get agony. Jesus' reply implies that if this man were struggling towards the goal, presupposing he knew what the right door was, maybe his question would have been different. Jesus' own ministry was the last, and greatest, movement of grace offered to Israel to repent. Many followed Jesus but many more rejected Him. His teaching, at the center of which was the cross, was the narrow door through which He invited His disciples. Now the door was closing. It would be the religious leaders themselves, rather than God, who will close this door when they would choose against Jesus for Caesar. God would simply bolt the door they had closed. In the years that followed it would be Caesar who would destroy Jerusalem and subject those remaining to the pain of hell even on earth. This word can be sobering, but the gospel always remains good news. The good news is that God loves us, and His mercy never ends. He has prepared a banquet for us, and men and women who have never heard of Him will join Him, because without realizing, they have yielded to the working of God's Spirit. On this journey there is immense grace and encouragement, as the reading from Hebrews points out. The choice, however, remains ours to make. Music